chapter, or chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. I will try to cover all of them, um, but there is a lot of great things found in this. You know, one thing that uh, we're told multiple times or, is that people come to church on Sundays to fill their spiritual bucket. And so that's what I'm hoping will happen today for you. And later in the service, you'll see why I'm excited about helping you to fill your spiritual bucket. But first off, God gave me the title, Does the End Justify the Means, a week ago. And I couldn't figure out why that title. Because it really only applied, in, when I first looked at it, it only applied to the first four verses. The first four verses talked about um, Paul being in prison. But then I was started to do some searching about, does the end justify the means? And one of the things that came up was Robin Hood. You know, and so we think of Robin Hood as this great person who stole from the king to give to the poor. So there's a problem in that. It's called relative morality. We believe it's okay as long as the end is good that we can go about any means to get there. But this is a real life person. Robin Hood was not a fable. It was actually a real person who went and stole from kings to give to the poor. He was still a thief. Morality was kicked out to try and serve the poor. So that's relative morality. Another example of that um, is when people say, there's a lot of them, but I'm trying to weed out the ones that I'm supposed to say. But one of them is, um, well, we actually had one come up in the election this year with uh, assisted suicide. That's relative morality. Um, we choose to say, well, people shouldn't have to suffer. People shouldn't have to do these things, but we're interceding as God. We're interceding to take His steps. God knows the number of our days, and He will bring it home. This is, I, that was not, yeah, take it as you wish with that. But, but then also... Are we a goal-driven person? Are we, do we live our lives that we try and just get to the end, to try and get to the goal? Do you ever say to God, yes, God, you want me to do this, but I know a faster way than what you want me to do it? That happens in my life. There's many times that I try and go, oh, is that what we want to do? Okay, we'll do that. But let's look at like Noah, for instance. Noah was given the challenge of building the ark. Particular wood, gopher wood was supposed to be used particular dimensions. If he chose to just go, well, there's a bunch of maple sitting right here. Why don't we just build it out of maple? Then he's defying God. He's defying what God has told him to do. And does the boat sink and creation is over? Don't know. That isn't how the story works out. But we have to think about the details. Another one is inappropriate intercession. Sometimes we don't allow people to go through the things God has created them to go through. Sometimes we try and bail people out that aren't supposed to be bailed out. I didn't know that my wife was going to use my brother-in-law, Philip, to this morning. I did not know that. I found out a few minutes ago, just like everybody else. And he had to hit Bob. He had to go through a lot of crazy junk and mire in his life because we kept trying to pour money into it and try and rescue him through all these programs and the only one that saved him was God. Is that true? 
Can I hear an amen for that then? Because that's huge. And you know, and... Okay, sorry, the adrenaline's starting to flow again. When we're singing, it's the God of our city, do you believe it? Do you believe that God's going to take over this town? Or are we going to be passive about it and not do anything about it? Are we just here to fill our own buckets this morning? Oh, wow, I'm getting out of order. I'm so pumped up. It's unre... It's un, uh, oh, my gosh. I'm trying, people, to keep it together, but I'm so pumped up. Um, another detail thing that we have to think about is, if you look at the Old Testament, the Ark of the Government, government uh, Covenant was with the Philistines. David sends out his warriors, grabs it, says, I'm bringing it back. Well, if you read the story, only the priests were supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. So, because Uzzah's there, and they have it loaded on a cart, which they're never supposed to do, they're supposed to be bore on people's shoulders, but Uzzah's there, and the, the bulls that are pulling the cart stumble, he touches it, and he dies immediately. Because Uzzah didn't pay attention to the details. He didn't pay attention to the rules that God had put together for the best. He didn't trust that it would be okay. And then Rob Strickland today, when I was talking, or the, earlier this week, he was talking about things, and he said sometimes when we get onto the goal-driven process, we, we don't get the blessing of the journey. And that's so true. It's so true. We don't get the blessing. And so this morning, I'm sitting there thinking about what would be a good example of that, and I thought of Legos. Of all the things, Legos. My son's 28 now. He's old. He's older, and I get to play with younger people's kids. I don't know. But, um, but Legos, it's a simple thing. My son goes, hey, I'd like to have a boat to play with with my toys. So can I go buy him a boat, and we've accomplished the goal? Yes. Or can I buy Legos, and I have a journey with him? We sit and build that together, and I learn about my son, and I learn about all the things and his cognitive abilities and all these things that happen along the journey. And so many times, we try and just get to give him a boat instead of spending the time building it piece by piece and cherishing the time we have on the journey. And so embrace the journey. Okay, with all of that set up, we're now to Philippians. Okay, so Philippians 1, 12 through 14. That's where I'm going to start. Now, I, went, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really advanced, uh, served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So this section is the end justifies the means. Are you willing to let God do anything with your life so that his kingdom can advance? Are you willing to be tied to a, the emperor's guards? These are the secret service, basically, of Emperor Nero, who we know was a very mean, mean Caesar to, the, to the Christians. Burned them as human torches. But Paul gets to go in he infiltrates this through the prison. And he has guards who are tied to him six hours a day. And I love how one pastor put it. He said, he is not tied to the guard. The guards are tied to him. Do you see how God works sometimes? He's got six hours that he can just go, hey, you want to know about this Jesus guy? 
I've got these letters I've been writing, and I'm going to pass it. Can you proofread them? Basically what he's doing. He's talking the whole time going, you got to know this. And so then these guards go, he's, got, he's on to something. They go home, and they tell it to their families, and it gets going, and it goes, and it goes, and he builds the thing. And because he's in prison, and he goes, instead of being stuck in the woe is me, what we all get into sometimes, we get caught in the woe is me. Like most people would say, oh, I'm in chains. There's nothing I can do. Why did you do this to me, God? Instead, Paul looks at it as, now what? What do you got for me? You got a whole new mission field that I wouldn't have gotten to without being in prison. I think that's amazing. There's so many. Lucky for me, I have a lot of personal stories that go along with that because it takes a two-by-four, sometimes with a nail in it, to hit me in the forehead to understand what God's doing in my life. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. I'm just glad he hasn't used a mace yet on me. I mean, just... But... Once we've received, okay, Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I, am no longer, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. And once we understand that we are dead in the flesh and we live in him, we are able to put those chains on. And we are able to go out into this community and speak boldly. You know, Paul, the thing that I, another thing is, Paul only knew Jesus through the conversion at the, on Damascus, so saw light, spoke to him, and what the disciples told him, and the Holy Spirit was put on him. What do we have? We have all of that, and we have all of Paul's writings, which we'll use a lot of today, and we have the same Holy Spirit. And most importantly, we have the same exact God. Does not change. We are as big a warriors as Paul. But most of us won't step into it. Most of us won't believe it. Most of us aren't sure if we trust God to that capacity. I hope you can. I know we're all on that same journey of trying to trust God and know that God has his best interest while taking care of us at the same time in place. You know, Paul also, what he went off of was Jesus' words that, from Luke 21, 12 through 19. So I'm sure this was just told to him. This may have been out there about the time he was in prison, the, the writing starting, but the chances of him having a copy were very limited if it was But before all this, and Jesus is talking about end times, and before it will happen, before all of this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you, you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. It's very profound. It's very, very strong words that Jesus said 
And if we believe it, then we know we will not perish. We may leave the earth, but we will not perish. And we know that. And then as we all know in James 1, 2 through 6, it talks about consider it pure joy when we go through trials. And trials bring perseverance. I'm going to shorten that a little bit. But you know, I, the other thing I always think about is if you're not under trial, then you're kind of like the lukewarm church. If you're, not, if you're not having situations where you may feel like you may be persecuted, persecuted because you're standing up for Christ or you're willing to live your life in a way that Christ would be approved of, you may wonder, am I in the right place? I had someone call me yesterday from another town, a friend of mine that asked about spiritual warfare. He didn't even think it really existed. It does. It does. And he didn't understand that, you know, we're under attack. But I reassure him that Christ that lives in us conquered death. And because the Holy Spirit lives within us, there is not a demonic force that can take us out. We have the authority to, ba- to kick that thing out of us and out of our presence. We have that authority. You know, and God will um, use all of the things in our lives for His good. We always wonder if it'll be for our good, our benefit, our, our blessing. And not always. Um, one of the examples, some of you have heard this, and forgive me for telling it, I tell it a lot because it is my testimony of when the conversion really happened in my life. Um, but there's a lot of new people that have probably not heard this story in my life. But one of the very hard, there was a lot of things going on in my life. My wife and I were almost getting, getting a divorce. We had started the process. And my son and I, did not. he didn't live at home. He lived with my in-laws, the Houstons. Um, we did not get along. Um, I was not a Christian dad. I was a controlling bad person. And I, was, I lived in a militant house, so I was going to be a militant dad, and that's how I learned. But my, son, my wife went to Women of Faith. My son was all by himself in Denver. I was driving to Denver. I was going to make amends. We were going to have a day, just the two of us. We agreed that we were going to work through this. And I was going through South Park, and I totaled my truck. And um, I totaled the truck. It's mile marker 167. I, can, I see it every time I go by it. I'm reminded about it every time. It wasn't that Satan attacked me and made my gas pedal go faster. I was driving way too fast for the conditions. It was in a snowstorm. I fishtailed. Luckily, I stayed along long enough. And actually, I just said luckily, didn't I? I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe any of that. I believe in God-ordained stuff. God protected me enough that I hit the guardrail and took the whole t- back end of my truck off of my truck. And then... I got into the woe is me. Why? Why did this happen? Why are you taking this from me? Why am I not going to reconcile with my son? Why and why, why? It was all the things that popped through my head. And I opened the back door of my uh, truck and my Bible fell to the ground. And it opened to the armor of God. And at that moment, I went, what now? That was the moment that it reminded me that it's not about me. It's not about what I want. Did my son and I reconcile later? Yes. We have a great relationship now. 
But the very, that night I had to stay in a hotel in Buena Vista and I was like, we're going the wrong direction. I'm trying to get to my son. And I had to stay in, a, in Buena Vista. I'm like, I need a rental car. I can do this. Let's buy a rental car. Let's go. And they're like, there's one from Salida. There won't be one until tomorrow morning. What do I do? You know, I was like, can I hitchhike? Can I, I want to get to my son. And I had to turn it over and just say, you know, it'll work out. The very next day, luckily, I was able to, I knew my truck obviously was totaled, so I went to a car dealership and I started looking for a new truck, got into the finance office, and I said to the finance guy, I'm like, I've never made a purchase like this without consulting my wife. It's just not wise for any married men, you don't do this. But he said, well, where is she? I said, he's at Women of Faith. And he goes, what is that? And at that moment, I got to share the gospel with him in the finance department, and I knew what the whole thing was about. I knew, so what? It's a truck. It's expensive, but it's a truck. But now, I, I don't know. I don't know the guy's name. I don't know if he still works there. I don't know anything about this outcome of it, but I got to share the gospel. And that gave me peace about the whole thing. That that is, and those are the types of things that we have to do. And sometimes we hold on to all of these things that are, that are ours. And unfortunately, sometimes these things are our families. You know, it's very, very difficult. And I empathize with anybody who's lost a child, an adult, a friend, anyone. But at the same time, we have to realize that God knows what he's doing. He knows what he has planned and what he does. So I'm going to skip the next middle portion of this, but we're going to go to uh, 18 through 26 because I think it's the most important part for me in this section. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Um, Actually, it started in 19. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what, uh, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have suffer, sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live in Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. That section it is awesome if we are taken home and we get to go to heaven. That is awesome. But if we are here, we are to take our spiritual bucket and fill it up and pour it out. Most times I hear of people needing their spiritual bucket filled on a Sunday morning, and I want to ask the second question. Is it draining out or are you pouring it out? Do you need it filled back up because you poured it out like Paul did at all times and you're going, man, I need some more. I need some more because I'm, I want to give more. 
Or is it because the trials and tribulations that happen in your life, just in the heat of it all, evaporate your spiritual bucket? And you need to fill it back up because this is the only place you get that. I hope you'll just, I hope you'll, that'll resonate with you all week. Are you pouring your bucket out or are you coming to receive and just keep it so that you can make it through another day? And there are seasons where that happens. But man, I hope you can sit there and just go, I want more because I need to pour it out. I need to pour it into somebody else's life. I need to pour it into this community. You know, this is, he is the God of the city. But so many times we go, oh, well, you know, churches are going down in size. It's just the trend. It's the way it's going in our society. It doesn't have to be. It's our responsibility to go out and pour our buckets out. We don't just wait on the Holy Spirit to do it. We have to be active. We have to be active in that. So Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow. It's not just fill it up. It's overflow. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's made you with a particular purpose. We've talked about that. We've talked about the reason you even were born was for a purpose, and God knew what that was before you were even born. And if you believe in Him and you trust Him, He will give you the words, He will give you the tools, He will give you the ability to do what He has designed you to do. Now we just have to do it. We have to be active. We have to make sure we go and use that. And Jason, I'm going to have you go over and grab the praise team. We're going to bring the praise team back up at the end of this. And so Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, is talking also about being a prisoner. Paul was very good at being a prisoner. Um, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Again, you were given a purpose. You were designed with a reason. Some of you went to the movie, Do You Believe? And there's a young man who's an EMT who um, is throwing away his whole career because he put a cross in someone's hand and asked him to pray with him before he passed away. And one of the lines he says right before court, court was, I was once asked that if I was ever accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Hopefully there is. Hopefully you've taken the time to build that up so that people know who you are. Not just here on Sunday, but every day. And then another thing that was in the Believe study this week um, 
was on a section on hope, and it says, hope activates faith, and faith deepens hope. You see how that works? Hope activates faith, because if we have hope in something, we have faith in it. We, and then faith deepens that hope. When I jump, I hope that I will land. Not too hardly, but I will land. And now I have something that I can, it deepens my faith in that. It deepens through that. And then the last scripture that I'll use before closing is 2 Timothy 4, I believe, yeah, 2 through 8. This is another time when he is bolstering up Timothy as he is preparing to... Um, Paul's time is coming to an end. His earthly time is coming to an end. And he is passing the torch to Timothy, an apprentice that he's had for many, many years. A disciple, as they would say. And he wants to... He, he just... To bolster him up and give him courage to continue to go forward... And that's what I want to give you is a courage to go out of here today to, lead, um, to leave here with a reason to go out and to pour out your bucket and to find things to fill it back up during the week and pour it out again and pour it out again and pour it out again. So 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the word be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. From the time, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their eyes away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. For there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Fight the good fight. Run the race that God has given you. Find courage in his word. Find courage in who he is. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you opportunities every single day. I always say, God, open doors for me to share the gospel and give me the courage to walk through the door. Because I believe he opens many, many doors for us throughout our day. Sometimes I don't even see him. But be courageous in that. Be knowing that when you, you are there, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit will use you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. He will guide you. 
the words will be given to you. And you're here. You're not in prison. You're not in a prison. You have free reign. You can go anywhere. You have people who you come in contact with and influential people that you can talk to on a regular basis. You know, I mean, we, none of us know when God is going to take us home. And none of us know the number of our days. Praise team, go ahead and come on up. None of us know those things. And if we have friends and family that we want to be here, be with us in eternity, we need to make sure that we, we share the gospel with them. This is a time when you're going home or people are coming here, you'll be with family. Make sure you don't, that you know where somebody stands in your family. Make sure you know. You know, as a pastor, it's, it's really, really hard when someone passes away and we're going to do a funeral and no one knows if the individual was saved because nobody asked. And there was no evidence to convict them. So then you don't know. You can't reassure the family, yes, they're in heaven now. You can't reassure anything. You're just, you're going, I don't know. He was a good person. That doesn't guarantee anything. So this song is an awesome song. I messed up the whole order this week to make this song as our going out song. And it's, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am child of God. Let's use this praise song as our closing prayer, and then we will uh, have one more benediction after that. But please rise, sing it, and believe it.
Part of that is also Operation Christmas Child. You can see a few of the boxes. These are the boxes from our church. Is that right? These are the boxes from our church here. We also, Barbara Briggs is our, uh, the town coordinator. So all the churches are bringing the boxes here. We have a whole room of boxes downstairs. And they will be delivered to Grand Junction tomorrow. So, Barbara, thank you for caring about people you don't even know. And this praise goes not to Barbara, but through Barbara to honor God. And that's what we do when we see work in place and we see God's action going. And it's so amazing to be a part of that. And it's so amazing to be with that. If anybody has any more questions about today's message, there's a lot of it I didn't say. Um, I would love to meet with you, talk about it inspire you maybe to go out and have that courage. It's the Holy Spirit that actually will do it. I'll just give you the places to look in the Bible. But Lord, I'm going to pray over these boxes and the kids that will receive them and those that that gave them. So Heavenly Father, right now I, I say thank you for giving us a heart that is not stuck on us, but is on you, Lord. That we are generous, that you've made us a generous people to bring joy into other people's homes, into other countries, and other places throughout your kingdom, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for just the ability that you've given us to be right with you through your Son. Lord, I ask for safe travels for all of those that are traveling this week. 
I ask for united families, that you would use this time to bring families back together to heal. And even if there is nothing there, but to make a stronger bond within those families, Lord. Lord, I love you. I know this place loves you. Everyone here loves you. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Now go give them heaven. Thank you.